Hey, this is Austin McCormick, and I want to welcome you to the third episode of the Context is Key podcast. I'm speaking to you from Redford, Missouri, and I'm here with Brother Mike Brown. I'm excited to have him on the podcast today. Uh, it's my pleasure to host him. Before we jump into the meat of our message for today, I want to ask Brother Mike a few questions about himself. I know Brother Mike very well, but I want to give the, oppor- uh, the opportunity for the audience to get to know Brother Mike. So I'm going to be asking Brother Mike a lot of questions, and he's going to have an opportunity to explain and tell about himself. So Brother Mike, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Uh, tell me a little bit about the ministry that God has called you to. Uh, called pastoral ministry. I started out in youth ministry for a number of years. I uh, felt God moving me uh, into pastoral ministry, and God has placed me at Redford Baptist, where I have been senior pastor for the past three years here. Uh, it's a great church out in the middle of nowhere. Awesome. So where where did you say you're currently serving? Redford Baptist in and, Redford, Missouri. And what pastor or what position did you say? Senior pastor. Awesome. So how long have you been pastoring uh, Redford Baptist Church? Three years. Awesome. So uh, I'm sure you've had many emotions, many experiences in the last three years. So uh, I want to talk a little bit about the positives of pastoring. What is the greatest joy for you for being a pastor? Uh, The greatest joy is to see your people uh, grow in the Lord. Um, Get excited about the things of God. Get them excited to uh, uh, come to church and hear God's Word preached and to see them worship. Uh, That's the most exciting thing for me, and to see families uh, restored and to see healing and and, uh, things like that. So we both know that preachers have many jobs apart from preaching. What role and importance does the preaching ministry of the pastor play in the life of the local church? I'd say the, the preaching ministry is the most important role. Um, pastor's main job primarily is to proclaim the Word of God um, for exhortation, edification, uh, for basically spiritual growth of your flock. So the, that is the most important thing. And that's, as Martin Luther says, uh, the preaching of God's Word is the highest form of worship that we have here on earth. Uh, so you definitely are you're leading your flock in essentially worship of God by preaching God's Word to them and helping them understand it. Uh, and to help them grow in maturity. So. Awesome. So what do you think of churches, uh, especially the con- contemporary style of churches that don't build their churches upon the preaching ministry, but build their churches on other things? I think they're very shallow. I, I don't think they have a lot of depth to them. Uh, I think they're easily swayed. I think you're seeing a lot of false doctrine being pushed through these churches because there's no uh, depth to them as far as uh, good, sound doctrine. Um, a lot of emotional a lot of uh, a lot of feel good, a lot of whatever whatever feels goods. That's what we're gonna do. It's a lot of emotionalism. Uh, I, I don't think there's really any uh, any good in it. I agree. So I understand at your church you've been preaching uh, expositionally through books in the Bible. How's that been going? It's great. You can uh, never exhaust God's word. So even passages that I may have read hundreds of times. There are still things that are I'm learning out of them, uh, and I, I you there's just so much richness in God's word that you going verse by verse, uh, you get more blessing I think out of it uh, than than a topical style sermon where you can find a topic and then find verses to go with it. When you pull it out in the context and you even get in historical context and uh, just just the richness that is in those passages is just a, a blessing upon a blessing upon a blessing and. Um, I, I love it, and it's been uh, been a great uh, tool for me to grow 
more on, as a pastor and more even more so as a, in my study. It just it's helped my study grow tremendously. Yeah, so those are a lot of pros. And what other pros can you think of that uh, expository preaching has in, in your ministry? Um, I never forget where I'm going to preach from. <laughs> yeah, that's a great joy. <laughs> awesome. So it seems like there's been a lot of pros. It sounds like it's been going good. And what uh, books have you been preaching through lately? Uh, the Gospel of John on Sunday mornings and Sunday evenings, we've been going through Isaiah's prophecy. Awesome. So do you think that's a good balance between Old Testament and New Testament? Yes, I, I wholeheartedly disagree with Andy Stanley. Uh, I believe the whole of Scripture is just how God intended it, and we don't need to unhitch from any part of it. Awesome. <laughs> I agree with you. Uh, what are the cons in preaching expositionally? What are the, the negatives or things that are difficult in, in your experience with preaching this style? Not all sermons are as energetic as they could be. There, there are some parts of, of scriptures you have to address, like lineages and things like that, that they're important or God wouldn't have put them in his word. But as far as like this is, uh, it, they're, they're just not as exciting as other ones. not saying God's word's not a, not exciting but it's people would like to hear encouraging messages about you know your spiritual growth uh how christ died for you how christ rose again you know hear the gospel message preach uh, but you have to have the historical context of how christ came on earth where he came from to show that he is the messiah and that his sacrifice would be sufficient otherwise the gospel really is invalid um, if, if christ is born of man He's sinful, so you have to show that he is actually the woman's seed born from above, uh, from the fullness of time God sent him to die for our sins. So it's uh, very important to have those sins. That's that's really the downfall because if you're if you're just preaching topically, you, you just hit the good ones and go from there. And not that that sounds horrible because all scripture is good, but not all of it is fun to listen to or fun to read, but it's all good. So whenever you're preaching... Uh expositionally, what, what role does context play in your sermon? What's the importance of context whenever you're studying for these types of sermons? Uh, context is is essential. I mean, it... it would you say context is key? I was going to say context is key, but it's essential because it uh, it's like the glue that holds everything together. You If you pull a verse out of context, it's like pulling a thread on a sweater. Eventually, it's all going to unravel and you won't have anything. Uh, you got to have context. That's where the majority of false doctrines come out of is pulling verses out of context and twisting scripture to, to make it say what you want to say. Uh, God's word speaks for itself and it's written in the way God wants it to be written. Uh, so we're doing uh, a huge injustice and disservice to our people when we, when we pull verses out of context to make them say what they're not saying. Yeah, I agree. So if you're explaining this principle to a new Christian or even someone that's not a new Christian that just hasn't been studying this way, how would you define context? What would you explain uh, context to a new Christian? Uh, I would say context is the whole picture. I mean, you can take a picture and, and find something in it to make it look good and zoom in on that. Um, but unless you have the whole picture, you don't understand everything that's going on within the picture. And how can you find the context whenever you're looking at a verse in the Bible? How do you know what part to look at? Um, what all makes sense like you, you you see where like if Jesus is in a conversation okay well this, this is the start of this conversation here in this chapter this verse well when does that conversation end well what crowd is he talking to 
where is he at when he's talking to this? I mean, if he's changed location, then the context has changed. If he's talking to a new audience, the context has changed. Uh, even Bibles now have the like a heading above a chapter or a section of verses that will even tell you that, hey, this is a new uh, section of verses that uh, this, this would be the context of those verses in some regards. Now, that's not always the case, but in a lot of cases, you can look at that and say, okay, yeah, this is the context of this passage is this set of verses right here. So for the most part, how do you feel about those headings in, in the Bible? Since we both know that those weren't in the original text, do you think that is helpful for the Christian trying to study the context, or do you think that that can also be misleading since that's something that was added as a tool? I think it can be both. I mean, I think it can be helpful for a, a young Christian who is maturing. Um, as they grow and study, they'll, they'll understand that the context can be broader than the, the headings. But as if somebody is just reading uh, for, for growth and development, I mean, I found them useful in my own personal growth. So I, I they're good and bad on any of it. But. Yeah. Uh, before the podcast, Brother Mike and I were talking about the series that he's been going through, uh, some of the books he's been talking about that he mentioned on the podcast, and he mentioned to me uh, that he had been going through a series of Sunday night sermons, I believe. Is that right? Not Sunday morning. Sunday morning sermons on taking verses out of context. Tell me a little bit how that went. <laughs> it went well. Uh, not all of it was well received at first, but it, it went well. You you can't refute scripture if you say you believe scripture. Uh, when you can prove that scripture is true and in context and, and see what it says to actually be what it says, uh, it's hard to refute that. But a lot of uh, what is taken out of context or what is heard is stuff that is more tradition based, uh, things that had been said or maybe even been preached a certain way uh, for years and years and years doesn't mean it's right. I mean, at one point in time in our country, uh, smoking cigarettes was deemed healthy. Well, we know now that's that's not true. Just because it's something that used to be a good thing uh, doesn't mean it's always a good thing. So uh, you got to, context is, is so important um, to, to understand what scripture means. Yeah. Can you give any examples about some of the passages you preached through? I, I'm going to need some content in the future for some future podcasts. Well, uh, one of my favorite ones, and I think this is the one we're talking today, is uh, for where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am among them. Uh, and that one is one that we is, is always wholeheartedly uh, taken so far out of context. Uh, that's the only one I can think of off the top of my head. So today, Brother Mike and I are going to be examining Matthew eighteen twenty for our specific verse that we're looking at. The entire context that we will be examining is Matthew 18, verses 15 through 20. Uh, before we examine this context, Brother Mike, will you explain to the audience common ways people take Matthew 18.20 out of context? Let's read that. How do people commonly use this verse out of context? Uh, well, the verse says, For where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am among them. Um, I believe in most Southern Baptist churches, really any churches, uh, when we have low attendance numbers, we say all we need is two or three and Jesus will be right there with us. Um, not even close to how the context of the scripture reads, but hey, you know what? We feel good about our low numbers because all we need is two or three faithful and Jesus will be right there with us. Yeah, so who's speaking in this context? Um, Jesus is speaking. And who's the audience he's speaking to? Um, his disciples. Awesome. So let's, let's read the entire passage and we'll break down what the context is saying. If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. But if he does not listen, take one or two others along with you 
that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. Truly I say to you, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Again I say to you, if two of you agree on earth about anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am among them. So what is the main theme of this context? Church discipline. Wow, where do you get that? Uh, if your brother sins against you, this is talking about brothers and sisters in Christ. We would say today our brothers and sisters in Christ are is the church body. Uh, and Jesus is actually bringing up a concept that is not foreign to his disciples. Uh, when he's talking, he's refer- referencing uh, Deuteronomy 19.15 by saying you, you know, the evidence of two or three witnesses. Uh, that's all they need if to, to bring an accusation against somebody was the, uh, the, the testimony of two or three witnesses, and it was a binding witness. So what Jesus is actually saying in the full context is, if you bring this charge up against the church, or to somebody in the church, and there's two or three standing, I'm right there with you saying, hey, uh, these two or three are the ones in the right, and I'm supporting what they're doing. Uh, Jesus uh, is crazy and wants his followers to be holy, and wants the church to help keep his followers that way. So what does it specifically mean with verse 20 whenever he says, for where two or three are gathered in my name? Make it very clear. <laughs> um, as long as they're rendering decisions, it, it would have to be the affirm- affirmation that this is just not hearsay. This is something that's coming, uh, being backed divinely. Uh, you know, Christ will always stand with those who are standing for truth. So if you're bringing, if there's something, let's say the hypothetical within my church, if there was uh, somebody in my church having an affair and it was confronted and it was not heard by, if I went to them by myself, they were not heard by me. I went with uh, some witnesses or a deacon or two and they didn't hear us. We would bring the matter to the church and then we would have Christ standing with us because we were protecting his bride and the testimony of his bride. Uh, Christ desires his bride to be pure and holy. And if it's, there, are, there are people within the body not practicing that, the church discipline needs to be exercised, and, and Christ is backing that uh, discipline. Yeah, so uh, whenever I was starting this podcast and I was thinking about the idea for this podcast, I just remember so many times talking to people like Brother Mike and my pastor, Brother Curtis, and uh, just really thinking about how often people take Bible verses out of context. And this is one of those Bible verses. I remember I was at a preaching event with Brother Mike and we were talking to someone and the attendance wasn't near as well as we wanted it to be and uh, the person said whenever I hear of low attendance I just think when two or three are gathered in my name there I will be also and and Mike just looked at me and said who are we disciplining? (laughs) Yeah I I was curious I thought somebody had done something wrong and and, uh, needed to know what the exact charges were and uh, wanted to hear church church discipline practiced up. I want to compare this verse to 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19, if you, if you want to find your place. It says, Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own. So wh- how many people do you need for a believer and for God's presence to be there? One Christian. And why is that? Because the Holy Spirit dwells inside of believers. Awesome. 
So you do not literally need two or three people for God to show up in presence. You only need one person. Do you think that there's a lack of church discipline in the contemporary church because people take Matthew 18, 20 out of context? I would say, yeah, that that's part of it to a degree. And I'd also say uh, uh, sin is relative anymore. So whatever might be sin to you may not be sin to me. Uh, and we put rel- uh, relative degrees on sin. You know, well, murdering somebody, that's absolutely bad. But uh, even now, I mean, years ago, uh, cohabitation was a faux pas and very much frowned upon. Now it's it's becoming widely accepted in a lot of churches. Um, you know, we can't say one sin's worse than another sin when all sin had to be atoned for, all sin uh, Christ died for. So any sin is a big deal to God because he sent his one and only son to die to atone for sin. So we can't look lightly on sin because of how much it cost to atone for sin. Yeah, I agree with that. So uh, if you agree that the contemporary church doesn't exercise church discipline because uh, of this verse being taken out of context, what steps can we take as the interpreter to make sure that we do not take verses like this one out of context? How can we really know that we're interpreting a passage correctly with the context? Um, very good question. There's a lot of tools that are readily available now to, uh, to pastors. Uh, if you can find a good set of commentaries, or if you can find a good concordance, or you can find, uh, you know, just a good study Bible even. I mean, there are, there are so many resources out there that can help somebody uh, get deeper into God's Word to know what the full context is without taking it out of context. Yeah, and I agree with you. And But you mentioned uh, that uh, there's a lot of good resources out there for pastors to take this verse out of context. What what kind of resources would you recommend to the layman that maybe doesn't want to spend a bunch of money on commentaries and just maybe just has a Bible in front of them? What steps would they take to make sure that they're not taking the context out of Scripture? Well, a lot of your, your Bibles will uh, have cross-references to them. Uh, cross, cross-reference your Scriptures. Uh, the best interpretation of Scripture is Scripture. So if you can, you know, in your Bible, you see in the margin there, it has some other passages of Scripture. Uh, it'll you know, most of the time have a letter or a number uh, in the verse. Go look at that, and uh, it, it'll help you cross-reference, and you can kind of understand more of the Scripture that way. Um, that's what I used to do when I was first a Christian, starting out to better understand the, the context, uh, to see it more uh, for what it is, and... and uh, Man, it's, it's just amazing how much Scripture will interpret itself once you get into digging in it. I want to look at these verses a little bit right before verse 20 where it says, Truly I say to you, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Again, I say to you, if, you, if two of you agree on earth about anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. I feel like verse 19 specifically is another verse that gets taken out of context very easily, even with verse 20 right after it, whenever it says, uh, if two of you agree on earth about anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. Is that saying that, Brother Mike, if I come to you and I, I say, we need to ask God for a Lamborghini or a Mustang, and we agree, what what is he going to do about that? Nothing. Um, I want a 1969 Ford Mustang Mach 1 or a Mustang Boss. I'm not picky. Uh, and if I, if I bind it in heaven, God's got to give it to me, right? 
Especially if you come in agreement with me. Right. I mean, this is what that's, that's what what's an argument that somebody would make. Uh, this is very, very prevalent within the charismatic movement. We, it's a, the whole name it, claim it. That's another verse here. You could have another podcast on that set of verses on how they take that out of context. And sadly, that's gotten even spilled into our Baptist churches where if we're doing something that's a good work and we, you know, we're asking for Jesus' name even, it, we're saying we've bound this in heaven. So it's got to be given to us. We've bowed it in heaven, so God's going to... I've even heard people say we've bowed it in heaven and God's going to pour a blessing out on us. He's loosing the blessing, and it's not even close to what that is. It's basically we're, we're coming with the highest authority with the charges that we're bringing on, on church discipline. It's important to understand that. So what it, what is that context exactly speaking? What What is being bound and what is being loosed in this context? The charges that are, the the fault that's being brought against the person, if we're standing in the right, that is bound in heaven. We come in with the authority of Christ, and there can't be anything held against it because it's it's the highest authority that is coming. The last part of this context I want to look at in Matthew chapter 18 is verse 21 where it says, Then Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times. The heading of this pericope or of this unit of thought is the parable of the unforgiving servant. So in this parable, Peter is asking Jesus how many times he shall forgive his brother. And in the last parable, the heading is if your brother sins against you. So it's the same thought. What importance does that play in interpreting a context, Brother Mike, looking at uh, multiple units of thought? Okay, so yeah, it's... To see those verses below there, it, it, it kind of ties in with that's what Jesus said there. Uh, I mean, that's getting the full picture. Um, you, you know, Jesus or Peter is essentially trying to answer and make sure he understands what Jesus had just said because it goes against everything they'd ever heard. Uh, you know, for a Jew in that time, they only had to forgive three times. So Peter is saying, you know, if I forgive seven, I'm doing above and beyond that which is required. Uh, and Jesus blew his mind even more and says, not, not seven times, but 70 times seven. Uh, and that's not saying that uh, Christ expects us to keep a tally and whenever somebody's at 490, then we just don't ever forgive them anymore. But it's an innumerable amount of times because we know later in Scripture, uh, we're supposed to forgive each other just as Christ has forgiven us. So that's unconditionally on everything. So uh, you, you get the full context, you understand those things a lot better. You know, Peter is not, we, we pick on Peter, but he's he's understanding what Christ is trying to say and in turn, that helps us understand better what Christ is saying as well. So Brother Mike pointed out to us before this passage in verse 20 that this is actually speaking about church discipline. And then if you examine the verses after verse 20, it's talking about Peter seeking the forgiveness of his brother and asking the Lord how many times he, he should specifically forgive his brother. And Brother Mike, you've done an excellent job of bringing out this context. I want to thank you for being on uh, the Context is Key podcast. Thank you for taking the time to record with us. And I look forward to possibly interviewing you more in the future about certain contexts. Exciting to hear about the preaching ministry of Redford Baptist Church. Thank you so much for taking the time today. Thank you for having me, Austin. It was a great time. You've been listening to the Context is Key podcast. For more information regarding the Context is Key podcast, feel free to follow me on Twitter at broaustin7. You can also follow Brother Mike at BrownieBoy1982. Once again, thank you for listening, and don't forget, context is key.